For the next few weeks, I want to talk about something that is like very critical for all of us, and it's something that, unfortunately, I think we don't necessarily like to talk about too much, and that's generosity. And I know when a preacher starts talking about generosity, everyone's like, oh, no, I came on the wrong Sunday. Um, and we think of examples of when somebody has abused that, and you know, there are examples definitely of churches that uh, don't necessarily use money in what I think is, is a biblical way. But I hope that for all of us, we would just ask ourselves the question, starting today, is, am, am I generous? And I can't answer that for you, but would you ask yourself that question? Like, am I generous. Because if I don't talk about this, this issue, I don't think I'm actually being biblical. And just FYI, I'll be leading communion um, eventually, so you can grab your things, those who are just joining us uh, online. Because scholars will say that Jesus talks about the kingdom of God more than anything. That's like the number one topic that he talks about. But then they'll say the second topic that he talks about more than anything else is money, wealth, or Possessions, And when you look at the parables that he tells, the ways that, that he speaks, he's just always talking about it. It's something that is very important, and I think there's a reason for that. Because we don't necessarily like, put our, our faith in, in God if we have our faith in some other place. And what's interesting about Jesus is at the end, it's not like, and then in in. Matthew chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus said, and yo, like, bring me all the money, yay unto me, bring me the money. And then if you make a check, make it out to like Jesus LLC or something. Like just, he's not starting a nonprofit. He's not saying like it's tax deductible if you're able to. Jesus isn't starting a nonprofit. And he talks about money all the time. And like Jesus' ministry needed some money. I love in the Gospel of Luke, it talks about a few women who were like supporting Jesus' ministry because the disciples had like left all their jobs. And so there's a few women who are basically like funding uh, the ministry. Like it, it takes something and Jesus talks about it often. And I think it's something that we need to think about because in our world, if we're honest, like we don't necessarily need God as much as some people in other parts of the world. Just this week, our son Carter, uh, he has some allergies at times, and so he needed some Claritin. We needed some new Claritin. And so I went to the store, and I just, at the end, after uh, picking up the Claritin, just pulled out some money and paid for it. I didn't pay in cash because nobody has cash anymore, but just for the, for the visual. And just think about how many times a day, sometimes it's three, four, five you pull out your credit card or some cash, you pay for lunch, you pay for medication, you pay for gas. And I think subtly, a message that comes to all of us in that moment is, I don't really need God, right? God, I'll let you handle the big stuff, like world peace and like that stuff, or when someone has something that comes up that's like, really, really scary. I'm, I'm going to pray to you about that. Or when I have a job interview, I'll pray about that. But all this little stuff, don't worry about it, God. I got it. And I think you see that in the trajectory. Some people say that the U.S. is headed to look more and more like Europe, perhaps, as far as like church participation, that uh, some people have, have anxiety about the fact that the, the West, the like, church is going to like continue to look a little bit different, perhaps, with not as much engagement. And you, if you ever traveled around Europe, there are these massive cathedrals that were built hundreds of years ago that are absolutely stunningly beautiful and have like 10 people inside them on a Sunday morning. And so one of the 
fears that the, the U.S. could be headed in that direction. And I think part of that is because of money. Because we don't really need God all that much or all that often. And when you look toward like the rest of the world, and I know sometimes as a Christian, it can fill you with a little bit of anxiety or give you uh, some fear. But if you want to feel a little bit better about this situation, look to places like South America and Africa where Christianity is booming. It's exploding. The largest church in the UK was planted by African missionaries. And you're like, wait, that, that's back. Wait, wait, hold on, what? But it's because I think that the poor have something to teach those of us who are rich. And I know that as you sit here, you think, no, I'm not rich. But it's likely that you are. It's likely that if you are joining us online or if you're here sitting in this room today, if you live in the United States, it's likely that you are in the top 5% of the world's wealth. So congratulations, you're rich. You didn't know that. And I understand we all have bills to pay. We have financial considerations and concerns. Maybe it's hard for you to get seen in the month. I totally understand and feel you. But statistically, 9.5 out of 10 people would trade their life with yours in a heartbeat. Would look at your life and go, oh my goodness. There's that many zeros behind your, your salary? You only have to work five days a week and you get two days off? There's some times in the year that they pay you when you don't come in? Most of the world will look at you and look at me. So let's say there's 10 people in a group. Most of the people would look at you and say, I would trade my life with yours in a heartbeat. So congratulations, you're rich. And again, I know it doesn't always feel like this. And when we, we talk about money, one of the things that I think is revealed in me and then also in others is there's a stronghold over that. That it's easy for us to, to start to think about like what we don't have or we think about Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates and what they should do with their money. And it's way easy. And we spend so much time in our culture like thinking about celebrities and seeing what celebrities are doing that we just think that we don't have anything. But in reality, you probably have some to share. And as we talk about this issue, one line that I'm going to give you over the next three weeks is this is something that God wants for us and not from us. Jesus, God, they don't need your money. In the Old Testament, God says, I own the, th the cattle on a thousand hills. I, I'm good. I, I don't need your money, but this is something that I want for you and not from you. So toward the back of the New Testament, there's a letter to, to Timothy uh, written likely by uh, Paul. And Paul says this to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world, which is definitely saying like, there's a world to come and you might have some money now, but just FYI, it's not gonna last. Don't put your hope in wealth which is just so uncertain. But to put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And as you think about that money or a credit card that I held up just a second ago, there's going to be a time in your life when that won't solve your problem. 
And we know that the biggest issues, the biggest problems that, that we have, like they, they aren't solved with money. When someone gets sick, when someone's gone, it's just not going to be solved. And so what Paul is saying is command those who are rich in this present age. And it is likely that he is talking to you and me in that moment. Command those who are rich to not put their hope there. Because, you know, three or four or five times a day, I'm just saying, God, I got this. Don't worry. But at one point, you just don't know when. It's not going to solve your biggest problems. Then Paul continues and says, Command those who do good to be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. So command those who are rich, again, likely you and me, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and to be willing to share. And whenever I think people talk about money, then the conversation goes, all right, Brian, you know, um, what percentage is it then? Just tell me, and I probably won't do it, but just, just tell me. And like, let's just get this thing over with. And I think there is some debate as to whether the idea of tithing comes into the New Testament or not. But what I would ask for all of us and what I genuinely like ask of, of myself is like, not like, all right, how much is it that I have to do? What I think can subtly become incredible in all of us is if we can say, how much can I do? If I looked at it differently, how much can I do with what God has given me? Because if we start to believe that this is just about us and about our stuff and we have this, this scarcity mentality, then that affects everything that we do. It affects our mindset. It affects like, our, our life it affects the way that we live. And so Paul says, command those who are rich, like, do good things. Do as much good as you possibly can. Don't ask, okay, what's the line? All right, are you raising money for a new building or something, Brian? No, like, but instead, like, be generous. Be willing to share. And again, I know those of us who are in this room or those who are watching online, I know that it's perhaps that you don't feel wealthy, you have a lot of bills that you have to pay. But again, Jesus talks about money like the second most of anything. And he's speaking to people who have very little money. Jesus does interact with rich people as well in his ministry. But I would argue if I was to just throw out a number, and this is kind of just me speculating, but I feel like he spends about 80% of his time among the poor. For one, his disciples, remember, they all left their jobs to come follow him. So it's like, okay, where, what, what money are we supposed to use? Jesus, I don't even know like, what we're, but he's saying to his disciples and then often those who, are, who he's ministering to, like he is talking to very poor people. The, the Jews in that time around the area that Jesus was ministering to, some estimates are that they were taxed as high as like 70% because they could just like the tax however you want. You think the taxes are bad in California, and they are. But in, in this area, like, you could just, like, be taxed as much as humanly possible. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And, like, it's, it's poor people that Jesus is speaking to, and he's constantly telling them, be careful about where you put your trust. Be careful about where you put your heart. Because, again, it's going to be a good day that you can't solve your problem by writing a check. 
and you start practicing for that day. Probably the most famous story that is about this is Jesus interacts in the temple, is in Mark 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were and watched the crowd, some of them putting in large amounts of money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, and you get from that Greek word kind of this like, hey, everyone, look at me. Like, look at, look at what I've just put in there. But a poor widow, she came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents, calling his disciples to him. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. Just think about this scene. There are some rich people who are throwing some dollar amounts around and putting it in and perhaps making a big scene about it. And this woman comes and she gives a fraction. So the coin that would have been commonly used to pay a day's wage was called the denarius. And she comes and gives a very small fraction of a day's wage, which likely would have amounted to about six minutes worth of work. But she puts that in. And Jesus stands back and says, wow. Look at her faith. And think about how much good this woman has done in the world. Because of her faith. And what's interesting to note about this story is there are some people who are giving a lot of money. What this story teaches us is that zeros on the end of a number don't move God. Percentages do. And so what I would ask as we just begin this series is to just sit down and, and look at the math, do the math of what you have given over this last year. I'm not talking just about to, to our church, but what have you given during this last year? Just to open it up, say, all right, you know, have your conversation with, with your spouse or this yourself and just go, okay, what, what did I give during this last year? How much did I give away? And I would just start there. Because again, I think sometimes we go, well, I can't, I can't, Brian, I can't possibly tithe. You know, 10% is way too much. There's too much going on. Okay, maybe it was 1% during this last year. Could you make a decision to say, I want to try and give 2% away next year? Oftentimes we think about, okay, well, where is this going to eventually go? Can you just say, all right, this is what I gave. This is where I want to go. Because Jesus teaches that this is a part of the Christian faith. I think of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus talks about practices and acts of worship. And the three things that Jesus mentioned, and so if, if you are a Jesus person, um, this is stuff you need to follow, I think. Um, he talks about three things. He talks about prayer, fasting, and giving. And I would argue that within the Christian church, I don't think we're very good at any of those three things. This is what Jesus tells us to do. 
So if you are a Jesus person, if you've committed uh, to following Jesus with your life, and if you haven't, I'm so glad that you're participating with us. I'm so glad that you're here. But like, this is what Jesus talks about. And what's interesting is now there are like study after study that show that those three things are actually unbelievably beneficial. To spend time in, in prayer, to like walk out of the room and out of your life for a minute. And we call it mindfulness now, but Jesus is like, yeah, no, I've been talking about that for a long time. Or fasting. There's now apps all over and there's study after study that show like how beneficial fasting can be for you. And I know that some people, perhaps because of a, um, some sort of health issue that you have, you couldn't fast from food, but how about you try fasting from something else? Because again, I think this is all about putting our hope in God and, and, and allowing that to be the center uh, where uh, the God does work to say, like, I want you uh, to be the center of everything. So Jesus talks about giving and he's just very blunt about it. He's like, when you give, because it's an expectation. But again, there's study after study that shows Deep benefits. There's a woman named uh, Wendy Steele who wrote a book about generosity. And she said that it's really interesting. They've done some studies and they've found that when someone gives something, there's a hormone release, oxytocin. And when that hormone, uh, that's the same hormone that is when a a woman gives birth is released. uh, So they like immediately bond with their child. And so when you give to somebody, there's a literal hormone that is released And it's not just in you. It's also released in the person that you're giving to. And if you don't believe that, just get pulled over by the police once for going too fast and then have them give you a break, which has happened to me a couple times. One time when I was 16, cruising down Glen Oaks here way too fast, and I probably wouldn't still be alive if I had gotten a ticket for that one. But like in that moment, like when you feel, it's like a release, right? When you are expecting to get a punishment and you don't get it, when someone is generous with you in a moment, it, 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 just, it feels so good. And so that is what is happening in interactions where someone is, is giving, someone has said, I, I recognize a need in you and I, you know, I don't want anything in return. I, I just want to give this to you. And also oxytocin gets released from anyone who happens to be watching this interaction. Like it's just this cycle. So I would just ask you, again, it's a question you can only answer yourself. Are, are you generous? And this for me ultimately isn't about our church, though, I hope that you believe in what we are doing here. I'm going to talk a little bit more next week about what I believe God has called us to do and the importance of that. And I hope that you participate in giving because eventually, if you don't give to our church, then I wouldn't be able to talk to you about generosity someday. So I understand that that is part of it. But what I want more than like you giving to our church is that you would be a generous person. Because generosity changes you. And something that I've noticed about people who, who are critical about our church is it's people who oftentimes are just critical about every part of their life. And then they say something about the church and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I understand, like, we'll try to work on that or whatever. And we really will. We'll make some effort. But it's oftentimes people who just, like, see things critically in all forms. And I've noticed that as opposed to people like that, generous people 
It's like they see good everywhere. I don't know about you, but I just want to be that person. I want to be the person who sees the good. And yeah, sometimes it's like, all right, well, we need to fix some things. And it comes alongside and is generous to actually step in and enter and help. But I want to be that generous person. I think that starts with stuff. Again, it's not something that God wants from you. I believe it's something that God wants for you. I wanted, as I ended this sermon today, to have Grant Williams, one of our elders, come up. And I wanted him to talk a little bit about generosity. And I have to tell you that when I mentioned that to him, he was like, whoa, that feels a little like you're, you're bragging about yourself. So just FYI, he was hesitant uh, to do this. But Grant is honestly someone that I continue to need to learn from in this way because he is, is just so exceedingly generous in all the ways uh, that he lives. So I just wanted him to, to share uh, for a couple minutes and come forward and then I'll close us and share communion. But Grant, please come forward. Let's give him a hand. Thank you, Grant, for sharing. Like Brian said, it, it seemed a little awkward when he asked me, but he gave me a few points to to talk about, which made it a little easier. He said, how do you cultivate that spirit and how does it affect you positively? Um, and so I want to say that, you know, the starting of the cultivation happens by example. And it's hard for me to talk about my dad, but um, because he's passed, but he lived that life where he was the deacon who was responsible for benevolence because he was the most benevolent person. We had so many strays, not just animals, in our house over the years. People that were in need um, through his work with the church in Massachusetts, um, he ran across a family that was asking for benevolence and three children that he just saw were in so much need, living in poverty, living, living in filth. And one of those three siblings ended up under our roof as foster sister. And just that example of him always taking in people, always caring for people, always giving, not, not just financially to the church, which was also another example um, that he gave us, but also the, just that, the way he lived his life. And sure, he was taken advantage of, and it didn't affect him. My wife will say the same thing about me. It's like, you just let people take advantage of you. But, you know, it kind of comes with the territory. You've got to be empty. You've got to let, you know, just let God oversee your life. And the, the other things, you know, he asked, you know, how do you cultivate that spirit? I think it's, it's a little bit of just this Christian life I was raised in, to empty yourself, to um, let God be the guidance and try to see. It's my prayer often is that I can see the world through God's eyes and love everyone. So that, that's one of the principles I try to live my life by. Sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> um, LA traffic really fights that off in you. Um, and, but how does, how does it affect you positively? 
it gives you a peace that is unlike any other thing. And I, I don't know if that's the oxytocin release. I don't know what, what hormone or what, what chemicals release, but it gives you a peace because there've been times when we've been super poor on the edge of being able to buy diapers um, and God always comes through. And we've been um, a lot better off than we are now. Um, and, and when we're on the edge, it just seems like if we have that faith in God, when you're just about not being able to pay the rent that month, that he comes through for you if you have that generous attitude. And there, there is this world, this, this idea that they talk about in other, like in metaphysics, that about a mind influence of, a mind influence of, uh, or a mindset of affluence. And affluence means that you see that, that God in the universe has everything for you and that there's abundance throughout this world for you. You just have to see it. And I, I know I'll never live up to the, 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 the two-coin widow um, because I've never given my last penny. And I, I, that, that is something to aspire to. And, um, but I, I think with a giving heart um, is, is basically emptying yourself and giving into God. And so if we can do that more, I think we will be more fulfilled. Thanks. Thank you. In, in that research by, by Winnie Steele, who I mentioned, uh, she mentioned studies that say people who are more generous are found to be more creative, better at problem solving, and report deeper meaning in life. And I think about Grant's example, and again, how I need to learn from him. Maybe he needs to continue to strive to be the widow in some ways, but I, I need to learn from him because almost every single week he's up here playing for us. And you don't know how much time that takes. You don't know how much effort that is, but he's just somebody who, who just consistently and constantly is willing to give. And that, for me, is something that, that I want to strive to. And he's an example for me in that area. And so again, as, as we just begin this, this conversation this week, what I would ask you to think about is just the question, what, what percentage did we, have we given in this last year to anything across the board? What have, we, what have we given? And perhaps, could we strive to do a little bit more? Could we strive to give more generously? Because we believe at the heart of the Christian faith is this verse, and you all know this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave. This is the center of our faith. And God gave to all of us, all the entire world, even though we didn't deserve it, and it seemed like a really poor return on investment. <laughs> I love what, what Grant said, that there's sometimes that you do get a little bit taken advantage of, but I would rather like live in that way than live just protecting. For God so loved the world that he gave. 
My hope for all of us is that we would be known as generous people. And I know that me personally, there's some organizations that, that we give to. We also give to our church because we believe uh, in what's happening here. But I know for Manny and I, money that we give away to organizations we believe in, we never miss that money. There's some purchases that we've made. Well, I probably shouldn't have bought that. The money that, that we give to organizations we believe in, we never miss it. So may we perhaps think about what that first step towards generosity is for all of us and just ask the hard question, what, what did I give? How, how did we participate in God's good work in the world? How did we show the, the generous love of God to our world and to our neighbors? And may that start there for all of us.